Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Along with bringing you updates and critical events happening all around the world, we're always fortunate to bring our local ELA lawyers into the conversation. These folks are practicing in jurisdictions all around the world, working daily to help their local clients move through difficult times. On the program, we span the globe, speaking with experts from here in the United States, as well as internationally, and we receive updates on critical issues from members in China, Italy, Korea, all across Asia, Europe, and Latin America. Today, we're going to be chatting with two of our U.S. members, one from Texas and one from Wisconsin. Joining us today on the program is Chuck Palmer, partner at Michael Best and Friedrich in Wisconsin, and he's working from the office today, and Rafino Gaitan, who's an associate at Lock Lord in Texas. Both Chuck and Rafino specialize in advising clients on workplace health and safety issues and represent clients before the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Today, these gentlemen are going to share with us their observations and perspectives with regard to mandatory vaccinations, and not just specific to the flu, but in general. And in an employment context, the related issues that occur there, like accommodations for disabilities and also religious beliefs. We're going to focus on guidance under federal law, but it'll generally cover some potential state law issues. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Chuck and Rafino, how have you been? Just fine. It's all fascinating. All fascinating stuff. Well, this is interesting. You know, I mean, I got my flu shot this year. No employer told me I needed to do it. I've been doing it for years. Never really think of it as anything other than prevention. Now, this year when I did it, I thought, hmm, I wonder what I'm preventing and whether this will be the first of many vaccinations I'll get this year. But let's talk about it from an employer's perspective. And Rafino, I want to start with you. Can an employer require its employees to get a vaccination? What's the rule there? So thank you for having me here today, Pete. I appreciate it. This is a very important question. And, and generally, under federal law, the answer is yes. An employer can require employees to get vaccination. There are some issues that an employer has to account for, such as making exceptions for employees who have a disability and for some reason or another cannot actually obtain the required vaccination. There are also accommodations that an employer has to consider for religious beliefs of certain employees. And just to be clear, for purposes of federal law, we're talking about accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And for religious beliefs, we're talking about Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Both of those laws apply to employers who have 15 or more employees. So in other words, the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, is the federal agency that addresses some of these issues. And they expect employers to make accommodations for disabilities and religious beliefs. You know, really the issue is, like I said, if, if the employee for disability purposes has some medical condition that requires or prohibits them, prevents them from having a certain vaccination, the employer has to address certain accommodations. So those might be things like working from home, making an exception for that particular employee if the circumstances allow. However, you know, that's if the general goal of the employer is to create a safer work environment for all of the other coworkers, you know, they have to treat those exceptions pretty carefully. But in terms of the EEOC, they're not requiring it, but they are putting some influence on employers, I'm guessing, to encourage people to get a vaccine during the pandemic. Is that correct? 
That is correct. And and from the EEOC's perspective, their recommendation is, you know, employers really shouldn't be in the business of requiring what sort of medical treatments or vaccinations their employees get. But they do stress that, you know, employers can strongly encourage their workforces to get any recommended vaccination. So now that we're in, in flu season, you know, that's that's one that usually comes up this time of year. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, that's one that will likely become an issue in the coming months. And obviously, just to be clear, there is no approved vaccine for COVID-19 just yet, but there have been trials that have shown some pretty significant success. And, and I think we are all likely aware of the fact that on Monday, November 9th, Pfizer announced that its vaccine trial showed 90% effectiveness at preventing infection from the coronavirus. So it is possible that a vaccine for COVID-19 will be coming shortly. And is it likely that in the future they'll combine a vaccine on COVID-19 with other vaccines, or will it always kind of be a standalone initiative, you think? Yeah, on this issue, there is a combined COVID-19 and flu vaccine that is in stage one of FDA trials. So once that proposed vaccine goes through, you know, all the phases of the vaccination trial process, it's possible that we'll have one that is a combination vaccination as well. Okay, so so let's assume that employers are going to encourage and the EEOC is going to encourage employers to encourage, but when it comes down to the cost of these things, who pays for them? Chuck, what do you think? You know, typically with flu vaccinations, we've, you know, we have experience with that already. Most insurance plans provide for that preventive type of medicine at no cost to the employee, no copay, no deductible. I would expect that same sort of scenario to play out as a COVID vaccination comes forward. We've seen that in relation to testing for COVID as well under either government-provided insurance, Obamacare, company plans. But of course, if an employer, and and we see this with testing now as well, if an employer decides to have a on-site vaccination program or an on-site testing program, oftentimes they're paying for that themselves through the vendor to, to provide it to the masses of their employees. And frankly, from the standpoint of an employer who wants to mandate vaccines, it's going to be pretty hard to enforce that without doing that sort of on-site mass vaccine approach to things. And, and they'll probably have a much more, a much greater adoption rate if they, if they do provide for that. So there may be some cost involved with that as well. And you know, Rafino and I were talking about this, you know, before the podcast that you know, the cost of it, if, if an employee ends up bearing it, might be a concern in terms of a deduction of cost out of their wages or reducing an employee down below minimum wage or that sort of thing. So you, you've got to think about a lot of different issues with respect to mandatory vaccines in terms of if the cost is being passed along to the employee. So I think the most effective approach for employers is to either make sure that it's covered by health insurance or the employers paying for it to be effective in a mandatory uh, approach. So we've got the cost of the vaccine, but there's got to be other considerations that employers you know, need to keep in mind when these things happen. Rafino, what, what are some of the other things we need to be thinking about? Yeah, all employers should consider their own work circumstances. For example, if you know an employer that has employees who do not have regular contact with each other, you know, whether that's because it's a, a wide open warehouse operation or they're using mostly remote workforces, those types of scenarios, the risk of transmitting any disease, whether it's flu or COVID-19, 
among employees is going to be low. In those situations, a vaccination requirement is going to have very little practical impact for that employer. On the other hand, hospital workers are much more likely to benefit from a vaccination requirement just based on the nature of the work that they do, their own exposure to you know, patients who are already ill, those sorts of work environments are, are more likely to benefit from these types of plans or uh, requirements. The other, you know, another issue that employers should address is to the extent that they have a unionized workforce and they plan to require vaccination, those employers really need to consult their collective bargaining agreements, consider whether the issue has been addressed at all in the collective bargaining agreement, which is in most scenarios unlikely, but there might be language in the agreement that gives them some leeway to to argue that the issue is waived, or the agreement might actually provide employers with the flexibility to implement certain safety rules or other types of rules that uh, might, you know, where the mandatory requirement might fall under one of those provisions of the agreement. Otherwise, you know, the, there is a risk that a, a union might argue that this sort of requirement affects the terms and conditions of employment for those unionized employees. And, and an employer who acts unilaterally may, you know, may end up facing charges of unfair labor practices. And so it's better to just try to head off some of those issues. And if there is a gray area, try to discuss the issue with a union before rolling out the implementation of the mandatory vaccination program. So let's get state specific then, if we can, gentlemen. Do any states have laws that address mandatory vaccinations? Rufino? Yes, some states do require certain types of employees to get vaccinations, and there are states that prohibit mandatory vaccinations. But even in those states that might prohibit it, there are some exceptions for you know certain types of healthcare employees. For example, in New Jersey, some healthcare workers are required to get certain vaccinations like the flu vaccine. But in New Jersey, for example, an employer who is not a healthcare employer is generally not allowed to require mandatory vaccinations. So this is going to be a state by state issue for a lot of employers. And like I said, and even in some of those states where vaccinations are mandatory vaccinations are allowed, most of those states will also have certain personal belief or, or personal preference exemptions for employees. So it is important for employers to make sure that they go to their attorneys or legal counsel to make sure that they are not running afoul of any state law requirements or prohibitions in general. So that's an interesting proposition. So how can employers assure that their workforce is safe so that they can then maybe relax some of the mask or social distancing mandates if they're not 100% compliant with vaccinations. Chuck, what do you think about that? Yeah, Peter, I think that that's where the rubber really meets the road in this, this context is employers, if they haven't thought about it right now, they will start to think about this mandatory vaccine situation because we'll start to roll out a COVID vaccine in the future and employees will wanna stop wearing the masks and they'll stop social distancing and they'll say, well, I've been vaccinated. And so I shouldn't have to do any of those things anymore. And for the employer, they'll be struggling with how do I enforce masks? How do I enforce social distancing? I've got some people who have or have not had a vaccine and the the status of whether a person's been vaccinated is a, a medical 
issue that should be kept confidential and only within the HR department, but how do supervisors out on the floor know how to enforce a policy and who to exclude and who not to exclude. And so, you know, fast forwarding to next, hopefully spring, summer, when we roll out a vaccine, that will certainly come to a climax as employers try to struggle through that. Currently, with respect to the flu vaccination, you know, the similar kind of scenario, real concerns about if you got flu and COVID at the same time, and that COVID was potentially work-related, you know, it could kill you. And then the employer is on the hook for uh, the workers' compensation costs, the OSHA reportability. And so employers now, when it comes to the flu season, they have a lot of struggles because we're seeing this already as the spike in COVID is occurring, and then you're overlaying the flu and you're having all these fall-like symptoms, stuffiness, head colds, and it's resulting in more and more need to contact trace. And then the employers are having to put more and more people out on the street. So we are getting these questions now of how can I do this to reduce the potential of the risk as well as the potential of multiple cases, both running along the track of COVID as well as running on the track of flu. And how do I know which is which? And I've got to sort people out. So this is, this is where people are asking, can I do a mandatory vaccine? And the answer is depends on your state. You can certainly encourage it. You know, so a lot of it comes down to messaging, letting employees know that, hey, combination of flu and COVID could be a death sentence. If you have flu-like symptoms, even though you don't have COVID, you're probably going to be quarantined and those who are in close contact with you will, will be affected. So there's, a, there's definitely a communication campaign that is necessary. I think employers should consider having their own sort of on-site flu vaccines, as many do, in order to increase the numbers of people who are willing to do it. As we go forward with respect to COVID and a vaccine comes about, you know, one of the things I've thought about is, you know, the communication to employees that once we have a COVID vaccine, if you don't get it, you will continue to wear a mask and you will continue to be required to social distance. There's all kinds of issues around now. That's sort of the the scarlet letter, so to speak, of the person having to wear the mask. Another alternative are these social distancing devices that measure if you're within six feet for 15 minutes of somebody else. And maybe those people who choose not to have a vaccine all have to wear the device so that if they come in contact with somebody else that has also not had the vaccine, their devices will buzz and they'll know that they were in close contact with one another. So employers are going to have to get creative around this because you'll have a real push-pull between the workforce that wants to get the vaccine and wants to get out of the masks and get back to normal. And those who are against vaccination. And, you know, the statistics show that when people were surveyed, 70% of people surveyed said they would get a vaccine, 30% not. And that's a pretty big number of people that are walking around your plant. If you have 200 employees, 60 of them are not vaccinated. There's still some concern about spread there. So I think it's a communication campaign. It's a effort to try to get the vaccine available readily available to employees, make it easy for them to get it. 
you know, try to do all the things, you know, to persuade. You got to keep wearing a mask. You've got to keep social distancing if you don't get it. And ultimately, if all of that doesn't work, consider the potential of a mandate. And again, you'll have to consider the EEOC, the state law, and it's a good idea to start getting counsel on that now. And I think that's the reason this podcast we thought was somewhat relevant for the times that we're in. Well, it sounds like it, guys. And again, it's tough times. There's more questions than answers for sure, but we certainly appreciate your contribution today. And certainly the uh, occupational health and safety areas that the ELA covers is a very, very hot topic. A lot of great webinars coming out on that for a listening audience. Visit us at the ELA.law website to find out more about that. I want to thank you gentlemen for joining me today. Thank you, Peter. If you'd like to connect with Charles Palmer from Michael Best or Rufino Gaetan from Lock Lord or any of our lawyers from around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ELA Law. Just go to the big Find a Lawyer widget in the center of the page, click on the drop-down box. There you can also receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content, or access the ELA's exclusive global employer handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.